Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. If you've joined me before, welcome back. If this is your first time here, welcome. At the Logical Christian Podcast, we look at what's going on in the world of current events, politics, science, and whatever the mainstream media feels is important to tell us, but rather than just accepting their spin and swallowing their narrative, we look at it logically, and we look at it as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you want to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. Look, ask anyone. I'm a nice guy. Well, wait, don't ask anyone. Ah, never mind. All right, let's start over. Look, take my word for it. I'm a nice guy. But here's the deal. This episode, it's going to sting a bit. Bottom line is that you're kind of ruining it for the rest of us. And by it, I mean life as we know it. So first, we're going to talk about how you really need to stop doing, well, pretty much everything. And then we'll see how your knee-jerking is destroying things. And finally, we'll discuss how your selfish desires ascend to even the highest heights. (laughs) No, literally. So before we start, go put a down payment on a new electric vehicle made from all-natural products, set your thermostat to off, grab a handful of raw, free-range grass to munch on, and hey, here we go. You know how there are days when you're barely able to drag your wreck of a carcass to the bed to try to put the day behind you before anything else happens? But then there are days when you lay your head on your pillow and think, today was a good day. Yeah, don't, don't do that second one anymore because bottom line, and there's not really an easy way to say this, you're a horrible person. Okay, there. Now it's out there. Now we can work on making you a better person. So where do we start? All right. You may want to grab a notebook for this. I'm going to give you some instructions. And then if you feel you need to pause the podcast to carry out your task, you do what you need to do. Remember, This is all about making you a better person because right now, you're awful. You don't want to be awful, do you? So here's what you need to do. On your paper, write down everything you do and everything you eat and every product you use. Like everything. In other words, all things. You may think this is impossible, but that's clearly because you're you're obviously lazy But let me give you a little more incentive. I'll I'll tell you why you're doing this. After you finish, then every time you feel that you want to do or eat or use something that's on your list of of all things, you're going to not want to do that. Now, you may think that's even more impossible than making the list, but that's clearly why you're an awful human being. Headline from TheGuardian.com Chemical pollution has passed safe limit for humanity, say scientists. And the byline reads, Study calls for cap on production and release as pollution threatens global ecosystems upon which life depends. Alright, maybe I was a little dramatic to begin with. Tell you what, I'll make it easier. I know you've already made your list of all things and maybe things aren't as bad as I originally thought. So get yourself a highlighter. Now, I suggest orange because orange is my favorite color. And then take that highlighter and only highlight those items that are made with or utilize chemicals in some way, in any way. And then don't eat or do or use only those things that are highlighted. All the unhighlighted things are just fine. Okay, 
enough of the game. The reality is, if you made that list, which, <laughs> wow, don't do things like that, all right? You would have to have had everything highlighted in orange or some other inferior color. All right, here, let me go and fire this thing up here. Okay, first paragraph, quote, the cocktail of chemical pollution that pervades the planet now threatens the stability of global ecosystems upon which humanity depends, scientists have said. They state that plastics are the worst, as well as, quote, 350,000 synthetic chemicals, including pesticides, industrial compounds, and antibiotics. But, you know, only plastic and pretty much everything else. Now, they wrap up the opening pitch of this article with, quote, the study concludes that chemical pollution has crossed a planetary boundary, the point at which human-made changes to the Earth push it outside the stable environment of the last 10,000 years. Bottom line, we're hosed, all right? Last one alive, turn out the lights, lock the gate. Okay, the article goes on, for 15 more paragraphs to basically berate us for our evil ways. Let me try and give you an elevator summary here. Chemical production has increased 50 times since the 1950s and is projected to triple by 2050. Uh, we got rid of those CFCs and fixed the ozone layer, so that's good. It, it shows we can do it again, right? They said that only a small number of the 350,000 chemicals have been assessed for safety. They say the production and release rate is happening faster than they can track or evaluate. They say that part of the assessment was the well-known negative effects of some chemicals from the extraction and production of, wait for it, fossil fuels. They say that scientists said the data was limited in many areas, but the weight of evidence pointed to a breach of the planetary boundary. Now, at the same time, they said that it's difficult to tell if chemical pollution has crossed a planetary boundary because there's no pre-human baseline. Literally, those two statements are two paragraphs apart, that we've both breached the boundary and we don't know if we've breached the boundary. And then one researcher pointed out that the mass of plastics now exceeds the mass of all living animals. So, see? Okay, I'm going to come back to the illogical and somewhat laughable nature of their problem setup. But first, let's look at the potential solutions, because you know that they're not just going to throw us out there without some solutions. Now, so the first one is a circular economy. You know, of course, reusable products, not just one-time use. Another potential solution is stronger governmental regulation with a fixed cap on chemical production and release, you know, like we do for climate change, or, or at least like we want to do. And then the last one is the creation of a, oh, and I love this one, global scientific body for chemical pollution. Can I just say that there is nothing that makes me as warm and fuzzy feeling as a global scientific body for fill in the blank. And then we have an expert chime in with words that only an expert would say expertly. Professor Sir Ian Boyd at the University of St. Andrews, who, 
incidentally in 2017 told the world that it may just not be safe to use pesticides. Huh. Uh, he said this, Regulation is not designed to detect or understand these effects. We are relatively blind to what is going on as a result. In this situation, where we have a low level of scientific certainty about effects, there is a need for a much more precautionary approach to new chemicals and to the amount being emitted to the environment. So because we don't know things, we shouldn't do things. That's basically what he's saying. Anyway, uh, the wrap-up of the article uh, with what was intended to be or what appears to be just a throwaway statement, you know, to leave you with a sense of dread, quote, the chemical pollution planetary boundary is the fifth of nine that scientists say have been crossed, with the others being global heating, the destruction of wild habitats, loss of biodiversity and excessive nitrogen and phosphorus pollution, end quote. Now, most people won't look up to see what the nine boundaries are, I'm not most people. We'll come back to this. So this seems like it's pretty bad, right? I really don't want to see the earth, you know, I don't know, implode or, or crumble. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. I don't want to see that. All my stuff is here, okay? But as we've done in the past, let's see what actual facts are being presented and on what authority. So first, the premise of the article is as our other scientific fear porn articles. It's based on the concept that evolution is real, science is king, and God doesn't exist. But did you pick up on two pieces of evidence that refute the claim right in the article? The first one, they said that the environment has been stable for the last 10,000 years. Now, I believe that the earth is closer to 6,000 years, but in a very broad, general term, young earth, or as I call them correctly informed, Christians place the age of creation at less than 10,000 years. Isn't it interesting that they consider out of the billions of years they believe happened that only the last 10,000 years have been stable? And then second, isn't it also interesting that they state that they have no pre-human baseline to figure out if we've crossed some sort of boundary? Maybe because there's no pre-human time. Now, okay, let's take a look at what they present as facts. First, they state that we're outside a boundary, but they say they don't know if, if we're outside a boundary. Uh, next, they claim that we can make changes because look what we did for the ozone layer and CFCs, but, but no... There's literally no scientific proof that CFCs did anything to the ozone layer as holes in that layer have appeared and closed multiple times before and since the use of CFCs. They say that production and release is happening faster than can be tracked or evaluated. Okay, just because they're uncomfortable with the speed, how does that make it an emergency? They said that the data was limited in many areas, but they still say there's a problem because they feel like it must be a problem. And, and I need to know why I'm supposed to care about that. And then they say the mass of plastic is greater than the mass of all living animals. Yeah, again, I say, and? I mean, how is the measure 
of the mass of anything versus the mass of something else a scientific thing? I mean, the mass of rocks is also greater than the mass of all living things. So that tells us nothing. It tells us nothing. None of this is science. This is speculation. It's feelings. It's arbitrary limits. It's conjecture. It's all built on the premise that, you know, man, bad. As for these nine planetary boundaries, again, this is nothing but made-up science. I'm sorry. They've literally set up nine markers for a healthy planet, which I'll grant them has a little science behind it. And then they set up boundaries or limits for each of these, which again has a little scientific reasoning behind it. A little. And then they track them. I want to quickly go through these. Number one, climate change. They set a boundary of 350 parts per million CO2 in the atmosphere. We're currently at 400 parts per million. Now, this is unscientific. We know that increased CO2 actually greens the planet, and we don't actually know what our atmosphere should have at a steady state. All we know is that it's increasing. We don't know if that's good or bad. Number two, lost biodiversity through extinction. They have made a boundary of 90%. We must maintain at least 90% of our biodiversity. And then they say that in some parts of the world, like in Africa, they're down to 84%. You know, so that's bad. But again, this is unscientific. It's an arbitrary goal, and it's given a failing grade because in some regions, they believe the number is below their arbitrary goal. That's not science. Number three, the addition of phosphorus and nitrogen to the world's crops and ecosystems. They have a target of worldwide use of 11 teragrams of phosphorus and 62 teragrams of nitrogen, and we're currently at 22 teragrams of phosphorus and 150 teragrams of nitrogen, and I don't really have any idea about this. I'll give them this one. I don't have a clue, and I'm not going to research it because it's probably something to do with I don't know, pesticides or something. I don't know. Who cares? Number four, deforestation and other land use changes. Now, they have an arbitrary goal of maintaining 75% of the world's original forests. They say we're down to 62%. This is a bogus number. I've heard this one before. The key word here is original forests. This isn't a measure of how green the planet is, as it's greener now than, I believe, any time that we've ever had any record of it. It's a measure of the original forests, to which I say, who cares if they're original? It doesn't matter if they're original forests. We're looking at the green on the planet. This isn't science. Number five, aerosol emissions. This is in the yellow because they literally have no global limit, and they have no good measurement system or type. They don't really know what they think or, or what they have, so it's yellow. Mm-hmm. Number six, ozone depletion. They want less than 5% depletion based on pre-industrial levels, which again, there's no science behind the idea that industrial processes actually deplete the ozone. It's pretty much just speculation. This one is yellow because the area over Antarctica dips slightly below their target in the spring. You know, a cyclical, known, annual variation. But this is in the yellow because science. Number seven, ocean acidification. They don't have a level set. They just say we can't get to the point that shell-making minerals dissolve in the water. Okay, 
Now we're green for now, but it all depends on if we can meet our atmospheric CO2 target of 350 parts per million, which we're not. Okay, so we're, I don't know how it's green. Shouldn't this be not green? I don't know. So I looked it up. Pre-industrial revolution, the pH of the ocean was 8.2, which is slightly on the basic side. Today, we're at 8.1. Now, this is after all the unbridled pollution, literally, of the Industrial Revolution and all the chemicals and waste we're making today. Remember the premise of this article. Aragonite. Aragonite? However you pronounce that. This is the mineral that they're tracking, the one that helps to make shells. And from what I found, it requires a pH of 7.8 or lower to dissolve. Logically, at our current rate, I think the seashells that she sells down by the seashore are pretty safe. Number eight, freshwater use. An arbitrary limit of 4,000 cubic kilometers or 1.06 quadrillion gallons of use per year. That's the limit. And we have a current use of 2,600 cubic kilometers or 0.7 quadrillion gallons. Something tells me we're doing okay on freshwater. We seem to be okay. Number nine, the dumping of organic, radioactive, nanomaterial, microplastic, and other man-made pollutions. Target, uh, it's, it's unknown. But the amount we're dumping, also, um, also unknown. This isn't science. So as you can see, th there's a little bit of science into the nine sections. Less science in the goals and very little science in the tracking of analysis of or conclusions reached. So why this fear? Why this panic? Why is science pushing this? Well, for one reason, we've pushed the environmental engineering and other environmental sciences so hard that there is so much money and there are so many people that are involved with this that we can't let it go. Uh, the bottom line, though, is that since there's, you know, no God, no design, no intelligence behind the planet and the way it functions, no forethought, no specifically created cleansing systems. Hey, we're it. And as I've covered previously, humans, really, we've over-evolved. We've gone too far. We're now outpacing and harming Mother Earth. And again, the goal of any green organization is literally for humans to no longer exist. The true desire is for the planet that allegedly evolved humans but doesn't do that anymore for some reason that's never really explained, is to be left alone so the plants and animals can be happy again. We humans are literally considered the virus of this world, and we need to be exterminated. Now, from a Christian point of view, this is complete hogwash. We've seen rivers light on fire and in a few decades or less be perfectly clean through the natural process of cleansing. We've seen massive underwater oil well blowouts, not to mention the massive amount of crude oil that just naturally seeps from cracks in the ocean floor, and we've seen very specialized bugs that take care of the problem. We've seen fires devastate forests and in no time fresh New forests are springing up. We've seen volcanoes obliterate entire regions, and in one generation, life and vitality return. You'd almost think this planet knew what it was doing, almost like it was, I don't know, designed. See, God created everything with a natural rhythm, a natural cycle. The planet is no exception. Look at the temperatures. Look at the tides. 
Look at the ozone layer over Antarctica. God created this planet and everything in it to naturally cleanse itself. Look all the way back in the Old Testament and you see that God demands cleanliness. Sins had to be cleaned. Women on their periods, which cleanses the reproductive system for the month, were unclean for a period of time, at which point they would be clean again. Animals clean themselves naturally. Humans, even if we never took a shower or a bath, we have natural body oils that secrete to cleanse the body. And the planet is no different. The planet does exactly what God designed it to do, to cleanse itself. And since God is not only omnipotent, but also sovereign, he was well aware of the industrial revolution that he ordained for us to go through and for which he designed the planet to absorb and cleanse itself even through all of that. Man has the capability of causing temporary issues, but we don't have the ability to destroy the planet or permanently wreck the designed workings and systems of this world. Maybe if science would actually take a look at what the Bible says about this world and about the designer, creator, and sustainer, we could actually focus our resources toward more worthwhile kingdom-building endeavors. You know, I, I think I'll stick with God's plan, not freak out because some scientists, quote-unquote, set arbitrary limits for arbitrary boundaries and have some measurements of arbitrary points and now say that I should be concerned. That's not logical. That's not science. And in fact, it's barely coherent because it's trying to fit God's design into man's godless box. As I stated in my intro episode, there are definite pros and cons to being a heavily logical thinker, to the detriment of the emotional side of things. Let's obliviously ignore the cons, and let's look at one of the pros, and, and realize that although this is a pro, it's not always a happy pro. Now Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Logical thinkers can often look at what is, and using deduction, interpolation, and knowledge of history can fairly accurately predict what will be. To that end, I, and I'm sure a large number of others, predicted the next story probably three months or less into the declared pandemic. Now, I'd look back at my Facebook page to find exactly when, but, oh, I'm not going to do that. From MSN posting a Newsweek article, Thousands of tons of PPE meant to protect from COVID now discarded as waste. Colon WHO. I mean, who could have seen that one coming? I, yeah, yeah, I already told you. I could. I saw it. Yep. Now, the article states that the PPE or personal protective equipment that's been created and used for the pandemic has created tens of thousands of tons of medical waste. 87,000 tons of PPE were ordered through a UN portal, whatever that is, between March 2020 and November 2021, and is now just medical waste. And additionally, there's a third of the healthcare facilities in the world that are not safely managing their waste. The study reported that, quote, the impacts of poor waste management and climate change, wait a minute, <laughs> climate change, what does that have to do with this? They're, they're just trying to shoehorn an agenda into a study about a, an agenda. <sighs> anyway, they, they say that the impoverished communities are the hardest hit due to the issues that already exist with water, sanitation, and health care. 
They state that plaster production has more than doubled since the beginning of the pandemic, and of course they're very concerned about nanoplastics in our air and water. I mean, they went absolutely nuts, jerking their knees, crying for more and more PPE and equipment. What did they think was going to happen? Okay, now the WHO is calling for all of us to be more conscious consumers. They state, quote, we find that people are wearing excessive PPE. <laughs> but we were told to do that, right? Mask, double mask, face shield, disposable gloves, etc., etc., now, they further add that due to the over 8 billion doses of the faux vaccine, well, they didn't, they didn't say it exactly like that, that, that another 143 tons of needles, safety boxes, and syringes were produced, as well as another 2,600 tons of plastic and chemical waste due to test kits that don't really work anyway. They found that each healthcare worker is throwing away about 50 pairs of gloves weekly, but they're supposed to do this per medical practices and guidance. So, of course, the same general suggestions are given. Use eco-friendly packaging, reusable equipment, make things out of recyclable or biodegradable materials, and, and although we simply can't have this stuff land in a landfill or add to the great oceanic garbage patch that nobody has ever seen or knows the location of, we're just told it exists, but they also don't want us to incinerate the waste because that's also bad for the environment. So what are we to do? Well... They give one suggestion, pyrolysis. <laughs> no, not paralysis, pyrolysis. So not to talk down to you, as I, I know you know what this is, but I didn't, so I looked it up. It's a process where you take plastics, you know, petroleum-based products, and treat it and shred it and compress it, and then the pyrolysis part, you heat it to a very high temperature, causing the molecules to vibrate violently and break free. Then you condense the vapors into a crude oil-like liquid and send out the solids as a carbon black or fly ash. Then the liquid can be sent through a refining process to create lubricants, heavy oils for heating, or further refined into diesel fuel. Oh, and the, the process also makes a small amount of natural gas, which can be immediately pumped into the heating system for the pyrolysis process. This seems like a pretty interesting process to reuse or recycle basically things made of petroleum products. My thought as I was watching a short video about it, the link is in the notes, was that it looked like it took a lot of work in order to do this and get the bulk of the output, being the liquid, into something usable. Now, as luck would have it, the video actually briefly covered the pros and cons of this process. One of the cons was that this process is extremely energy-hungry. In fact, it takes more energy to do this process than is produced by using this process, which if you know anything about the conservation of energy or similar principles, you'd know that there's no way to do what they're doing and come out ahead. It's literally not possible. So although it keeps the waste from hitting the landfill it's probably going to do more damage to the environment by using more resources, or at least I'm guessing that argument is coming soon, likely right after we make a major taxpayer-funded investment into the Biden National Pyrolysis and Soylent Green factory. So what's the point? When you don't exist in a world of true truth, you bounce around in a world of chaos and panic, and that's what we've done for a long, long time now. Science is no longer truly science, it's agenda, optics, and politics, all based on an unprovable theory of evolution. Or in other words, we've kicked the creator out of his creation, decided that we know better, and now we're trying to run the machine without the designer, owner, or the owner's manual. 
Think about some of the things we've done because we've decided we know better. We used to use paper bags for everything. And then we decided the paper bags were cutting down too many trees and it was too energy intensive to make. But plastic, that's the way to go. So we went to plastic bags. Until we decided that there's way too much plastic waste, so we have to get rid of those plastic bags. Paper bags, that's the way to go. But only temporarily, you know, on the way to reusable cloth bags. Well, but now we're told that we probably shouldn't use reusable cloth bags because they can contribute to a variety of bacterial illnesses if they're not used and cared for properly, which the majority are definitely not. So you know what we're using? Plastic. Now we decided that fossil fuels were going to run out soon, so we built some nuclear power plants. But then Chernobyl happened, which was scary, and then Three Mile Island happened, which was a big nothing, and so we decided that nuclear is scary, so now we're on a mission to get rid of scary nuclear, and that's fine, because wind and solar are the way to go, and they can easily take the place of other forms of energy production. Well, not really, but we can dream, can't we? So based on our dreams, we started shutting down the nuclear, without anything to come remotely close to filling the power generation gap, and, and New York City almost blacked out in the summer because the grid was teetering on the edge, and and Texas had a massive power outage and property damage, and some people died because the windmills couldn't mill in the freezing temperatures, so now we decided that we need to get rid of gas appliances and go all electric and get rid of gas cars and go all electric and start shutting down fossil fuel plants due to climate change, and don't worry, we've proven that we um, uh, can uh, something. Uh, <clears throat> how could this not work? Speaking of windmills, this was one of the great saviors of our planet. Finally, a fully clean, renewable energy source. Lovely, invisible wind. Well, except that the PETA-type groups hate them, because the farther you go out on the spinning blade, the faster that end is going, and birds are being slaughtered out of the sky as they fly through an area that they have no idea is dangerous. Additionally, the blades have a finite life before they need to be replaced, you know, so they don't break, setting the windmill off balance and causing it to fail, screeching and on fire, spewing a large amount of thick black toxic smoke into the air. But the blades can't be recycled, and they currently only are able to landfill a massive number of massive blades. Oh, well, and the politicians that advocate for this technology are fighting tooth and nail to keep them out of their field of view because they're nothing but a huge eyesore, you know, due to the large number of windmills it takes to create a minimal amount of power. No, we definitely want them, just put them in someone else's backyard and, and fuel up my private jet so I can go tell the lucky recipients how lucky they are that they get to participate in saving the planet. Now, how about 30 to 40 years ago when the same scientists that are telling us to fear global warming today were telling us to fear the next ice age then? And at that time, they wanted to paint roofs black to absorb heat, and they wanted to put particulate in the atmosphere to trap heat so we didn't have that ice age. Now they want to paint roofs white to reflect the heat and put particulate in the atmosphere to reflect the sunlight so that we don't overheat. How about saving some obscure school of fish by denying farmers in California water for their vineyards? Uh, yeah, look it up. How about wanting to reduce fossil fuel use and fossil fuel-based power plants to third world nations to save the planet and, and doom those human beings to a continued life of poverty, starvation, and primitive living? It's okay, though. They don't mind. I'm sure that right before passing out delirious from hunger, they probably think about all the good they're doing for Mother Earth and, and just smile and then they die. And I could go on and on. How many times have we overreacted to something because we don't understand it and don't have a basis for true truth, and we only make things worse 
and overreact the other direction. And how many billions or trillions of dollars have been spent making things worse after making things worse? Now, if science were to actually base their predictions, studies, and findings on the truths found in the Bible, such as the fact that we're created beings living in a creation that was created by an omnipotent and omniscient creator, we could make wiser choices, we could make better assumptions, we could make better investments, and we could actually make the world a better place, unlike what we're currently doing. You know, as I continue searching the news that's being put out there, trying to decide what I should comment on, I'm seeing more and more that we, as a society, are just doomed. And we're doing it to ourselves. Depending on your general political bent or worldview with regard to religion, I'd guess that although most of you agreed with me, there's a definite split as to what you thought of whilst agreeing. So let's see what we've got this time. From a CBS News report featured on Yahoo News, headline, Mount Everest's highest glacier is losing decades worth of ice every year, scientists warn. Okay, well, that sounds unfortunate, but, you know, not devastating. So, obviously, I haven't read far enough yet. It turns out that a team from the University of Maine, as well as others, has concluded that the ice is melting at a rate of decades of accumulation loss per year. This will affect those that utilize the ice, or I guess the, the water from melting, <clears throat> for fresh water and irrigation, and it'll also make it more dangerous to climb the mountain. So apparently, as part of the study, a team obtained the highest ice core ever taken and put two weather stations in place at, once again, the highest points on Earth yet to date. They found that the South Coal Glacier has lost its snowpack, which helps to insulate the ice from the sun, and they say that the glacier has lost about 180 feet of thickness in the last 25 years. Thickness it took about 2,000 years to build, or so they say. Part of the reason for this study, allegedly, was to determine if man-caused climate change could actually reach even the highest mountain glaciers. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it can! I mean, who would have thought that? <sighs> okay, I mean, the theory of man-caused global warming is that the atmosphere, the, the atmosphere is filling with greenhouse gases trapping heat, right? Do they not realize that the mountains are, you know, within the atmosphere? I kind of find it a little unbelievable that the scientists actually wondered this. I find it much more credible that they wanted to just add to the proof, quote-unquote, that man is just terrible. Anyway, moving over to a parallel article on Manufacturing.net with the headline, Researchers Drill Highest Ice Core Ever Recovered, and a byline of, It Confirms the Heights That Human Source Climate Change Reaches. Now, you have to dig through the nagging they do for the first half of the article about how, you know, we as humans just kind of suck, and even through that, so many assumptions are made, but eventually you'll get to the ice core, and this is where it starts to really get interesting. Apparently a 10 meter long ice core, which I think is about 87,000 miles long, don't quote me on that, I work in American, not metric, sorry, uh, it was taken from this glacier and using the core and satellite imagery and other records, other records, they don't state them, just, just other records, they estimate that thinning rates in recent history are approaching 2 meters per year. 
They further estimate that 55 meters have been lost in the last 25 years. They state that the transition from snowpack to ice could have been triggered by climate change since the 1950s. Model simulations found that if snow gives way to ice, the losses can accelerate by a factor of more than 20. And to throw another log on the doom fire, climate predictions are saying more warming is yet to come and more glacier will be lost. Unfortunately, although they give you a lot of interesting thoughts based on the core. They don't talk much about the core. Now to find that, I had to dig back into articles closer to when the core was actually pulled. So an article from eos.org from December 2020, that gave us some info on the core. First, if you've never seen an ice core, it's basically just a long cylindrical piece of ice that's been drilled down and extracted from a glacier. The generally accepted, or at least the repeated theory, is that each layer represents an annual snowfall. They're they're given the, the name of annual rings or annual layers. And the snowfall each year compresses the layers below it, causing a layer, and, and so on and so on. From these layers, scientists count to find the number of years they've drilled down, Then by analyzing the minerals, trap gases, and stuff like that, they can draw their conclusions about life and conditions at the time of each layer, and then they can trend those changes over time, eventually predicting our oncoming doom, because that's where it always ends up. Now, I couldn't find anywhere that gave the number of layers that were in this ice core, so admittedly, I'm making some assumptions here, but... But what I do know is that nobody has been keeping glacier thickness records for 2,000 years. So the only way that they can make the claim that it's taken 2,000 years to build up this ice is somehow through layers in the sample. Admittedly, I could be wrong here, but if not layers, I have no idea how they're claiming what they're claiming. Anyway, bottom line, from the ice core and very recent and limited data and satellite imagery and don't forget, quote, other records, the conclusion has been reached that man's insatiable need for stuff is definitely causing global warming. And because of this, people won't have drinking water, crops won't have fresh water, and mountain climbers will have more dangerous climbs. Like I said, you're an awful person. But let's back up just a bit here. First of all, layers in an ice core sample don't necessarily mean annual events. They literally mean periods of warming and cooling. You could theoretically have dozens upon dozens of layers every single year. One of the most famous examples is one that Answers in Genesis has done some great work on, the Lost Squadron. Basically, In 1942, some P-38s and a couple B-17s had to land on the ice of Greenland. About 40 years later, an expedition was set out to find these lost planes. Now, they located a few of them in 1988, and in 1992 they bored, or, or more accurately, melted their way down nearly 300 feet to the planes. That's how much ice and snow accumulated in 50 years. They took them apart, and piece by piece, they brought them up. Now, per standard convention, there should have been very close to 50 layers in that shaft. 
Now, I couldn't find an exact number, but you can look at pictures of the inside of that shaft and you can see hundreds upon hundreds of layers, at least. Now, the assumption that an ice core can definitively tell you ages is based on nothing but hypothetical assumptions, and it's patently wrong. They say that the glacier is melting. I'm not going to dispute that. They say that the snowpack disappeared. Well, it's kind of hard to argue against that. But then in order to show the effects of man-caused global warming, they have to use words like estimate and phrases like could have been. And then they mention model simulations and climate predictions. Let me just say this. The models are only as accurate as the modeler makes it. If you use inaccurate data and assumptions to build the model, the results of the model will also be inaccurate. Put simply, garbage in, garbage out. And the same can be said about predictions. Depending on what data I determine is to be used, depending on the boundaries I've arbitrarily set for my prediction, I can make my data say anything I want it to say. For instance, if I set my weather or climate data boundaries for Texas as the years 2019 to 2022, what we'll find is that the average temperature in the winter, along with the winter storms, prove that Texas is heading into an ice age. But of course, that would be blasted before I could even get the scientific paper to a group of peers to review it because it doesn't fit the narrative, and also because it's a stupid conclusion. But this is why you'll find climate alarmists alternately argue weather or climate depending on what data best fits their hypothesis. They're playing with the data, and they're playing with the boundaries. But as I've stated in the past, and and I'm going to keep asking until I get an answer, what is the correct planetary temperature? What is the correct glacial thickness on Mount Everest? This is the largest assumption that's made with every climate alarmist out there. Is it that we care about the planet burning up? Or do we care about keeping things the way we've grown used to them? You know, if you went back 500 years or even 100 years, different weather conditions, increased levels of this or decreased levels of that, would have been chalked up to Mother Nature or would have been left as ordained by God, and man would just deal with whatever came their way. We know that everything that's been created has a natural frequency to it, a cycle or a vibration. I kind of have a hard time believing that climate or global temperature or even snowpack and glacier size bucks the trend of literally everything else. I've also mentioned before that you should go look up the information Answers in Genesis has about the flood of Noah's day and the Ice Age. It's possible that we're warming because the Earth hasn't finished warming since the cataclysmic event. The Earth is a big place. The sun is huge. The oceans are huge. The atmosphere is huge. As a friend of mine always says, it's like trying to turn the Titanic with a trolling motor. Changes of this magnitude take time. Admittedly, it's possible that the glaciers will completely disappear. It's possible that they'll shrink more before increasing again. It's possible that they'll reverse course and we'll be talking about another ice age in the next few decades, although there are already some scientists laying that groundwork now. What I have a hard time believing, and something I've never seen definitive proof of, at least without some sort of logical refutation, 
is that man is going to cause the planet to warm out of control. That's a very arrogant view of ourselves that we can actually overcome the processes of a planet that survived millions or billions of years of immensely cataclysmic events, in their view. And in 100 years or so, we can set the planet on an irreversible course of heat death. Think about that for a minute. Just as you may have had a parent or a teacher say to you at some point, who exactly do you think you are? And as arrogant as that is, it's even more arrogant to think that we, created beings, will destroy the creation of a sovereign God. See, our job is to take care of but still use and fill up and dominate the earth. That's what God told us from the beginning about 6,000 years ago, and I kind of think that's what we should do. Nowhere in the Bible has it ever shown good results to not do what God told us. And seeing as he's totally sovereign, omnipotent, and omniscient, I kind of think he designed the planet with us and technological advancement in mind. I just wonder what this world could be like if we actually based our knowledge on God, based our actions, investments, and lives on the truths that we find in the Bible. How much good could we do in a world if we weren't worried that we, little humans, are destroying the planet? How much poverty, starvation, and lack of water could we eliminate if we built power plants in third world nations that would allow for all of the modern conveniences that we enjoy in the first world, you know, like proper sanitation? But no, we can't have that added man-caused pollution. That would be the death of all of us. Or at least our models and predictions and estimates and assumptions tell us that. More accurately, eliminating poverty in other nations and helping them move up a rung on the ladder has never actually been the goal, has it? Because we believe that God doesn't exist, that man has evolved too far, that the planet is in trouble. We are more interested in our wisdom rather than God's commands. We want to believe that we are the ultimate power in the universe, and at the same time, that we should really eliminate ourselves so the planet can go on living. Helping others live longer lives through technological advancements, that goes counter to the goal. You should clearly see by now that when you leave true truth, you literally leave the realm of sanity. At best, we're in a process of chasing our tails, trying to fix things that we think or assume or predict that we're powerful enough to break. At worst, there are people in powerful positions that are willing to sacrifice humans in order to attain their goal whatever that might be. Regardless, we get to the same point. We can never win the game we're playing when we refuse to acknowledge the rule book or the rule maker. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. If you've made it this far, the odds are you liked what you heard. I'd greatly appreciate a like, a comment, and a review if you're so inclined. As you likely already know, it all helps with the algorithms. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. And finally, if you found this podcast useful or entertaining, share it with your friends, your enemies, your in-laws, your outlaws. If you want to reach me, you can do so at lcpodcast at outlook.com or increasingly I'll be using at lcpodcast on Getter. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic there is no armor like ignorance. But Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So stay in the Word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless. Thank you.